We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the second episode of Your Welcome Radio. I am so excited to announce and introduce today's guests because these are two women that are such badasses. They have made the trek in from Charleston, South Carolina, on the way to Nashville, made a stop in the A last night to spend a little bit of time with me, and I couldn't help but beg them to be on today. And they are not new to the podcast world because they've got their own podcast that they started. It's called GSD Entrepreneur, and that means get shit done. So you can already tell they're awesome. Um, They also are co-founders of a small business consulting firm called The Salty Rim, and they have recently over the last year redesigned a product that's very dear to their hearts that we're going to hear about today that's totally shaking up the outdoor industry. So for all you tailgaters, beachgoers, campers, hikers, this is a product that you're going to want to get your hands on. They've certainly inspired me in so many ways, and it's hard to believe that we met just... God, not even a year ago. Mm. It was back in um, the beginning of the year, New Year's Eve. Yeah, Yeah, so... We just had our seven-month anniversary. Yeah, I know. We did. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, well, why don't you tell listeners how we met, maybe? And then just take us back as far as you want to go. I'd love to hear and tell listeners how it is that you got to where you are today. We're honored to be on this. We're honored to be guest number one on your show um, and are super pumped about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to impact a lot of people through your podcast. So keep it up, keep doing what you're doing and stay the course. And I think a lot of people will be impacted. So do you want to, do you want to start? Cause it's really Rella and Frankie, your connection. So uh, how we met is we, Stacy's talking. Yep. I'm Stacy. Um, and so how we met was we were invited to Rella and Frankie's wedding down in the DR and we couldn't make it. Um, and so they were, so a lot of people couldn't make it. So they had um, a, a reception on New Year's Eve in Chicago. And of course, I had to make it to one of those. Um, and Frankie is one of my dearest, dearest friends. And Rella has become one of my dear friends as well. And so that was a, a hell yes um, to us. And, and Jules and I only do hell yeses because we are super busy. So this podcast was a hell yes. Um, <laughs> but right. so it was a hell yes for us to go to Chicago in the wintertime. Um, it was cold. It was freedom <laughs> to be a part of that special occasion. Nothing and, that a little wine couldn't help. Exactly. We were just and, fine. 
And uh, we spent the night, we got there a day early, and so we spent the night with uh, Rella and Frankie, and they said, oh, uh, Rella's dear friend's coming in town, Tori. And then when Tori walked in, it was love at first sight mm -hmm. for all of us, and really, mm -hmm. you know, the conversation hasn't stopped and yeah. uh, since then, and, and we hung out and danced all night together. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was just a, an amazing night, but also walked away with an amazing friend, so we're super excited about that. Yeah, yeah it was crazy, like, just a we. You know, it was one of those friendships that, that happened so unexpectedly, and we left that weekend saying, okay, we're going to stay in touch, you know, which I feel like you do with a lot of people, yeah. but this meant something different to me, and this was like, no, these are people I, I need to get around as mm -hmm. much as I can, mm -hmm. and they were just so sweet. They invited me to their house in Charleston, um, and we had just the best time yeah. that weekend, and got to do some kayaking and really got to know them on a whole nother level and, and what it is that, that they do and what makes them them and what they're passionate about and which is really um, what's inspired me and why I wanted to have you guys on because hmm. y'all just got so much wisdom and um, you know you're just the ultimate ultimate hmm. badasses so yeah Julie feelings mutual <laughs> all right well I'll, I'll start us yeah. Um, yeah so I grew up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, a little town outside of Philadelphia. Came from a family of six kids. I'm wow. the middle. So I have two older brothers, me, then two younger brothers and a younger sister. So my mom started a bakery business, wedding cakes and party cakes, and it grew into a very significant business in the Philadelphia area um, where my brother ended up taking it over and they just won, well, maybe two years ago, they won... Um, Delish Magazine's top 10 wedding cake bakeries in the U.S., wow. which is amazing. So it's it's significant. It's not like a little mom and pop. No, bakery. they do like 70 wedding cakes a weekend. A weekend. Yeah. And that doesn't include party cakes. That's just wedding cakes. I mean, it's huge. Gosh. Yeah. So I say that because I'm super yeah. proud of that, but, I'm, but I'm, it also sort of defines my growing up mm -hmm. where I don't ever remember just sitting and watching TV mm -hmm. and not doing something else. So my family was a very active family. Um, we had to be super entrepreneurial, which I said that word. Yeah, you did. You did, you did it great. <laughs> a lot of times. Wait until I say it. <laughs> <laughs> entrepreneurial is so we talked about this earlier. Entrepreneurial is such a hard word because it's or entrepreneur. It's like people always mess it up and they're like, oh, that's such a hard word. But anyway. Um, so it, so entrepreneurialism, make it even harder, has been in my blood ever since I've been a little kid. Uh, and so, but I never thought of myself starting a business necessarily. So I had the work ethic of an entrepreneur, but I didn't really have the vision of, I want to be founder of a company someday. Um, and so long story short, I went to college in Virginia, got a degree in sport management, um, did really want to be involved in a health club somehow because I really liked fitness and active and all of that. So I did that for a little while, was a business manager of a health club and hated it. I was stuck up in an office. I learned that I really need a lot of people interaction. Um, and so I ended up leaving that. I was also working in the bakery, decorating wedding cakes and party cakes and coaching volleyball and basketball. And so I, an opportunity came up where I um, could move to Charlotte, North Carolina, and work in a church in youth ministry as an intern. So I was making fine money, living with my family, you know, all that, out of college, but I knew I needed something different. And so this opportunity came up from just an acquaintance, not even a friend. She told me about it, and so I said, well, what do I have to lose? So... Um, my mom didn't, obviously didn't want me to go, wasn't super supportive of that, but I felt like I had to for me. So it was a really hard goodbye. 
Um, but I ended up leaving and then they created a position for me at the church. It was a very large church and I did that for 10 years and then got, and this is a whole other story over cocktails, um, <laughs> but got really disenfranchised with the church. Absolutely love God, but got really disenfranchised with the church. And so I organized a trip a year long, literally date to date, June to June trip to 11 developing countries Three other girls went with me. We raised $75,000 for the whole year, came back with $6,000 and gave it to the organizations wow. that meant the most to us. Um, and it was life-changing from, from my world perspective view. Right. Uh, and so came back and knew I didn't want to be involved in the not-for-profit world again. So I got a job in business management consulting, worked for a small firm, got recruited to a regional firm, got recruited, or eventually our regional firm got bought out by PricewaterhouseCooper. Um, and so I ended up working for them in business management consulting, specifically people and change and strategic planning, which all of that is just right up my alley, leadership, development, all of that. So I did that for a number of years, but my dad had invented a product. I'm trying to make this as like a 40 some year story. So try to make it really short and succinct, but um, my dad had invented and my mom actually had invented a product back in 1998. So almost, well, over 20 years now. They got it patented, tried to take it to market, and we just say he ran out, they ran out of money and know-how. So fast forward 12 years, I'm now working for PwC, went through a really hard time personally, which is also over a picture of margaritas, <laughs> um, but went through that hard time and knew I needed something that I could make successful. And so I called up my dad at 1.30 in the morning, this idea of his company came to mind, called him up the next morning and said, Dad, what would you think about me taking you and mom's product to market? He, my, I always, my dad is my hero, or definitely one of them. He is, um, ugh, he's just one of, now Stacy's he's, he's, he's the salt of the earth. He's a kind, one of the kindest yeah, he's, people he's you will ever meet. He's an awesome human. And so he started crying and said that would be a dream come true. And so I knew in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on a mission. So that was in 2010. Um, and then I, I kind of moonlit with it, ended up bringing on a business partner who's a super dear friend of mine. We ended up going um, to one of our clients with PwC, approached them after hours about them being our contract manufacturer for this product. They said, not only do we love it and want to be your contract manufacturer, we want to purchase your company uh, or portion of your company, but we don't want to do a joint venture where it's 50-50. We need to have majority ownership, so we want to buy 60% of your company. You retain 40, um, and then we'd be successful with this. And it was amazing for the first six months or a year. Mm -hmm. The partnership was fantastic. And then I just started seeing things like in any relationship, Stace has been known to say this, in any relationship, give it six months and they'll start and they'll show they're crazy. Mm -hmm. Quote unquote crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, We're all in good behavior. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> first every, six months. Everybody can make it be awesome for the first six months. And then yeah. it's weird. It's something about the six month mark that people's true colors start coming out. And so what I learned was that my partnership with this um, company, our values were completely misaligned. Mm -hmm. And we always say in our consulting, coaching consulting business, the Salty Rim, that your core values are everything. Every decision you make is built on and comes out of your core values. And so I knew what those were, and they weren't the same as this manufacturing company. So, and you don't learn that overnight, you learn that over time. And so a couple years went by, 
we took this product to market. We would go to trade shows, one best new invention. Uh, we went to the final trade show that I went to in May of 2014, so what, five years ago. Um, and same thing, one best new invention in the tailgating section, everybody wanted it. And I, uh, <clears throat> they had just fired my business partner, <clears throat> excuse me, and I knew that I could not and would not want to be successful with these guys. So I got on the plane, I wrote a three-page resignation letter, and I walked away from all of it. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I've, done a, I've been involved in a couple really hard things in my life. That's up there um, as one of the hardest things. That's, you know, before you continue, I think that's, you just hit on such a good point. Like, how do you know from that experience, like, how do you have the courage, one, to walk away from something like that, but knowing it's not, it's misaligned with, you know, your values? Because I think a lot of listeners, and I know I've struggled with this in the past, of what do you, you, you could have stayed with that, you know, and continued in that, and that would have been safe and sure, or you could do what, what felt right for you. I mean, did you have that conversation in that inner dialogue oh, with man. yourself, and how did you decide? Probably for about a year and a half, I yeah. did. Um, and then I talked often with Stace. I talked often with my business partner, John. Once they fired him, I knew the writing was on the wall for me. Um, that I just, they, whatever, I knew the writing was on the wall. And so um, I, so here's the point. When you get to a place where it's harder to stay where you are than to change, you have to make a change, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I stuck it out as long as I could. And then I physically could not stay in this. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make a change. And it was hitting send on that three-page email, you know, letter was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I knew I was walking away not only from my dream but mm -hmm. my parents' dream, mm -hmm. and I it was it was really really hard. Mm -hmm. And so it was so hard that I came back and I went from making six figures, taking my my parents' dream and my dream to market, to working in a shrimp shack in Charleston on Shem Creek um, for nine months because I needed. And Stacey and I talked about this a ton, but she and she was amazing. She just said because we're together in life and in business. And so at the time, she was like, you know what? Let's live off of my salary. You go do what you need to do and take all the time that you need, which having a partner like that is the most amazing thing that you can ever find, who supports your dreams and lets you just be you, sure. whether that's amazing or that's really crappy. Yeah. Um, and so I did. So I worked with the salt-of-the-earth people, and I needed the salt to heal my soul. I mean, my soul was just completely broken. Yeah. So nine months, but then I was like, okay, oh, huh, that's enough. Like I need to go now. Get do, on the horse. Get on the, get back <laughs> on the horse and do my thing. And so that's when we started a salty rim. Mm -hmm. um, and we worked with a number of clients really just, or not just, but helping them build their strategic plan for growth and then holding them accountable to execute on that plan. So a lot of people have the vision, um, but because life gets so crazy, they need somebody to hold them accountable. Right. It's like that for anything, for working mm -hmm. out, for eating right, for anything, um, being yeah. a good spouse, whatever. And so anyway, so that's what we did and found great success in that. But this idea had never died. In the meantime, we also started the GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, which has been amazing for us to build a network of really, truly badass business entrepreneurs. Um, but anyway, so we started the podcast and then we knew this idea hadn't died. And so um, a couple of years ago, we just started napkin sketching what if we took all the consumer feedback and what if we designed something that was what we've always wanted mm -hmm. and so that's what we did so we designed it ome gear ocean plus mountains equals earth gears our company 
Um, and I'll stop here because I've been talking for a little bit and I'll turn it to you and yeah. then you can tell, how about you tell your background and then you tell about what OME is. All right. Perfect. Sounds great. All right. So this is Stacy. Um, I am um, Stacy Pierce from Aiken, South Carolina, a little small town in South Carolina that is amazing. Uh, grew, had a um, great place to grow up and, and Jules always asked me, how do you know that person? Well, we grew up together. Um, Aiken's just a super close-knit community um, and and you know we all have each other's backs still to this day you know 40 years later yeah but, it's incredible um 40 plus years sorry I'm, I'm over 40 now um so anyway so I moved down I went to college in Charleston uh Charleston Southern University the old Baptist college and um and just because I grew up there in the summer times with my aunts and uncles in Charleston, always had a special place, and so I applied to one college and got into the one college. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, and so I had my, I got my degree in English and psychology, and then I also got a degree in occupational therapy because I always wanted to be a therapist. I used to volunteer at the Jerry Lewis summer camp um, with muscular dystrophy, so I always knew I wanted to be a therapist, and so I, I did that. I started out in Peds. I moved to Columbia. Um, we always, Columbia, South Carolina, if you haven't been there, it's hot. Um, they say it's hotter than Satan's house cat there. Cool. Um, so it's, um, but I lived there for 10 years, uh, and that's kind of when my entrepreneurial um, path opened up for me, is I, I worked in pediatrics in the school district, and then I, um, actually while I was working there, I got an opportunity to cater. I've never catered before at this time. Um, but my roommate was a musician and they asked if she knew any caterers and she said, no, but my roommate can cook. And, and <laughs> so I went from cooking for two people to 200 people overnight. Um, and it, you know, it happened and I loved it and I fell in love with this, this passion of cooking. Um, I ended up buying over and well, not just buying, but people were giving me over a thousand cookbooks. So I've read over a thousand cookbooks in my life. Wow. Jeez. Um, so no culinary, professional culinary experience, but I do have the cookbook. Experience. If you need a cookbook, you can check it out at Stacy's library. <laughs> I've since got rid of most of those because um, they were all from like the 60s and 70s, which were really great to have the old like church cookbooks oh, yeah. and, and read them all. But I have. Um, so anyway, I started that catering business. Um, we actually, and at the same time, I was helping my roommate start her, business, her music business. And so we were, you know, it was RA Entertainment, one call, you get it all. So you got the music and the, and the food. Um, soon after that, we opened up a um, restaurant and where it was my, my menu and my recipes. And uh, so that was fun to do. So we uh, had that for a little while. And then, so that was my third business and really just love the business startup world. Um, and not that I, I start any, started up anything to, to let it go. I still have, we still have a small catering business that we cater for friends and family. And, and um, it's just more of a little speakeasy in Charleston that we do. Uh, we're called the Catering Bandits. I mean, you can't find us anywhere because we're a speakeasy. Um, so, we, uh, so I ended up going through a really tough time in my life and had to do a little stint in what I call the old hab, the rehab. It was nothing for drugs or alcohol. Um, it was just some personal things that I had not dealt with in my life, and, and it just shows that things can, can bubble up and fester, and if you don't deal with them, it can actually drag you down. And so I hit my, what we call the, our rock bottom, 
and I left the restaurant business and at the same time I was still I, I was still a therapist so I was working in the restaurant and a therapist at the same time so I was working you know crazy hours a week moved back to Aiken for just a small time and then ended up moving to Charleston and in the meantime I got a job working in geriatrics and I was a rehab manager or I was on the fast track to become a rehab manager at a retirement community um, and so we, I was working for a contract company and we were there and the CEO of the retirement community came walking through the through therapy office one day and said, hey, would anyone want to be my personal trainer? I need to lose weight. And he was just this Santa Claus man with a big beard and just big gut and he just, he did need to lose weight or he was going to die. Um, so uh, I was like, well, I'm here early in the morning. I can do it. I would always, I had an hour and a half drive to work. So I'd get up at four every morning. I'd be there by six o'clock in the morning, and I would because the reason I was there so early is because patient my patients mattered, mm -hmm. and I would sit with them every single morning and have poop teenies. So I would drink <laughs> oh copious amounts of of um, of um, prune, prune juice. Uh -huh. Well, you had a good digestive yeah, system. I did, and so we would. I would go and with. I mean, I could have fourteen patients, and but I wanted to sit with them. That was my thing. Is before we had to get started. I wanted to sit with them and see how their night was, if they needed anything, have a devotion with them, whatever they needed in that moment, because they were away from their home and their homes were important to them. You're every family's dream to um, have somebody mm -hmm. like you in a place like that. And they always could hear me coming because I was not a therapist that wore scrubs. I wore heels to work every day, so they hear me clunking down the hall. <laughs> and so it was just, you know, it was a it was a time in my life that I needed to heal. And I always said yeah. that I probably got more from them than they ever got from me. So, um, so I was working with uh, James McGee. He ended up has been my mentor and still is to this day. Um, so we started working out, and this was in the, the downturn of the economy, about two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know, the other Great Depression, and people weren't moving on campus, and they they couldn't sell their homes to move. And so he was like, "What are we?" We were. I remember we were in the pool one day. And he goes, I, "We're going to have to do something. The Oaks is going to have to do something." Um, and he goes, I'm thinking about opening up a home care business. And he goes, and I was like, well, let me do that for you. And now I'm working for a contract company in rehab, being a rehab manager. And he goes, what do you know about home care? And I was like, nothing. And, but I know about business mm -hmm. and I know about starting businesses. And, and, and so he's like, okay, he goes, well, do some research for me and hand me in a, um, a business plan. I'd never done a business plan. I didn't even own a computer. So I'm about fake it till you make yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So I sent, um, I, I did this business, I borrowed my mom's computer and I was, um, I was doing all this research and, and doing projections. And so I wrote a yellow notebook paper, I had graphs and everything. I handed it in. He goes, what the hell is this? And I said, this is my business plan. He said, mm -mm. he goes, you need to type it. And I was like, I don't really have any, a computer. So he set me up in an office and with a computer and I sat there for two months and planned out this whole business and um, because we were going to take the Oaks that's where I worked it was the retirement community we were going to take the Oaks to people in the community who needed care but wanted to stay home mm -hmm. and so started that my first year first fiscal year we did 1.7 million dollars wow now that doesn't seem like a lot of money to some people but we are in the poorest area in South, one of the poorest areas in South Carolina, we were only charging $12.50 an hour, where most home care companies charge $27 an hour. 
in other areas. So that was what it did was show us that there was a need. Sure. Um, so after that, he's like, I want you to learn everything about technology. And so we started a, a technology company called Live at Home Technologies. And what we do, now everybody has their Alexa and their Google and she's probably going to say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. um, you know, to turn off their lights and door alarms. I was doing that 12 years ago and I was making smart homes for the, our aging population. So we were able to use passive um, monitoring and, 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 and do, I mean, um, excuse me, um, we were able to use passive monitoring to actually uh, show indications that something may occur in people's homes. So we were learning that. Um, so I was way ahead of the, the curve on that. And then right after that, so my job there was to build new businesses, which was right up my alley. So I did the home care business and then I did the technology business. And then we, um, I, I fell in love with the, um, the dementia population because they were just unseen, unheard. They were you know, put in rooms and locked away. Not that we were doing that there, but there, were, there had to be another way um, to help these people just continue even though they've been stricken with this horrible disease. Um, and so we built, I was given the opportunity to build an adult day center focused around dementia care. And so I worked on that project for a couple of years where I actually built it from, you know, it was an existing building, but we gutted it and we did it just for dementia care. And there's a whole, there's whole um, learning on that where you, what colors to use, carpet patterns. And so it was really going and immersing myself in that world, the dementia world, to figure out the best way to build this where people were safe. Sure. Um, so built that, and then I got recruited from a company in Charleston, South Carolina, um, that was taking a medication dispenser to market. So back in the technology world, which was really my passion, I traveled around the world and and talked about technology, what was out there, what was to come. So got recruited, ended up leaving that job, and got recruited from this company called Farmright out of Charleston, um, where we were taking a medication dispenser to market. In the meantime, Jules and I had started our coaching firm, A Salty Rim. And so I was working at Farmright, um, taking their product to market, and then we started doing the podcast. And so everything was just building, and then OME Gear, its head came back up. Uh, well, the product did. OME Gear wasn't born at that time when I first started, but it just got to be too much because I was working all day long, taking calls at night, and then we were doing a salty round and GSD. And so finally I walked in and it, it, it got too much for me. I was getting burnout. And I knew my passion was around coaching and taking this product to market. And so I walked in I, and Jules and I had talked about it, but she didn't know I was gonna do it that day. And I just had a, a very transparent and honest conversation with my boss and said, you know, I need to go and this is what I need to do. And he was so gracious and so loving, so I gave them a month's notice, you know, I gave them enough time to hire two people to take my job, <laughs> um, and so they hired a couple people, and, and I was able to actually work from home and, and take calls to help them. I didn't want to leave them high and dry because I have a lot of respect for that whole group, and I was, I was the first hire, you know, they was other than their, their core um, team. So then I called Jules and said, I just, I just left Farmright. And I said, let's do this thing. And so that's when we, um, OME Gear was officially 
born. It had been, we had started the redesign on the product, um, but we just knew we couldn't put everything into it. And we knew at that point when I left the job, that's when we could start focusing on it full time. Mm -hmm. And so that's when OME Gear was born. And so OME Gear is an outdoor product company. Um, it actually was born 20 years ago, and, and Jules can kind of go into that story. Actually, I prefer you do that, um, to go into that story. Did you already talk about that? Kind of, yeah. On Bethany? Yeah. Okay. Um, see, I've been talking my, so long. That was my mom and dad's invention, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the dream just never died, and, and this is what we want to take on. So it's an outdoor product that's now a five-in-one. So the original cat concept was a two-in-one. We've now created a five-in-one, and it is a cart that holds up to 250 pounds of gear. comes with a big bungee net, and once you get to wherever you're going, you can go camping, um, um, tailgating to the beach, soccer games, wherever. Anytime you need to haul something to have a seat when you get there, this is the product. So you then you get there, unload it, and you have a fully reclining lounge chair, uh, a loaded to the beach chair, a higher off the ground camping chair, and then it folds out into a camping cot. And I've seen it, guys. It's it's such a cool mm. design and Thanks. so I mean practical for right. for people like for moms that are hauling kids around yep. and mm -hmm. <laughs> got coolers and yep. you know so it really is such a cool product. Yep. I mean we we say that it's the Swiss Army knife of carts to yeah. chairs, um, and it's all transformable. And it fit, and we designed it where it would fit in the back of a Camry and still have room to, to have your gear. So mm -hmm. we've tried to think about and take and it's high quality, yeah. so it's really durable. It'll actually last, sustainable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, that's what that was our our mission was to build something that would last because we live at the beach and we see all the junk that gets piled up to go to the landfills. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, you talk about like building something that lasts, not just the product itself, mm -hmm. but the company and the culture that is going to sustain and hold that product mm -hmm. for you guys. And Julie, I think you said this early on, um, talking about what your personal core values were. And we were talking about this before we turned the mic on earlier this morning that, you know, their core business values are in a lot of ways, the same as their personal life values. Mm -hmm. And so for people that are listening that are, maybe they're not even, you know, starting their own business or have their own business, but just in life, you know, I think how important it is to get really clear about that because it really is the foundation and the pillars that hold up everything it is that you um, either are dreaming or creating or whatever it is. So for you guys, you know, what were the things that were super important to you that you wanted to make sure um, were reflected in your products and in your business? Mm -hmm. That's an awesome question. Yeah. I think that um, I can answer that question, but I'll, I'll start it by saying I think that the, the, one of the ways you determine your core values is by paying attention to the things that drive you nuts, that make you really angry um, or just really set you off. Um, and so if Somebody, you know, is a cheater. Obviously, nobody likes a cheater, but cheaters bother some people more than they bother others, right? Or if somebody's a liar, or if somebody doesn't have integrity, if somebody doesn't do what they say they're going to do, if they show up late. Um, I mean, I know some people that if somebody shows up late, even one minute late, they've left. Like, they're not waiting around because they think their time is so valuable, and it's a disrespect for somebody to show up late. And so... When you start really being aware, I think that's kind of the exercise, is be aware of the things that really irk you, you mm -hmm. know? And then those will 
sort of surface what your values are. And so for us, the things, I mean, I can talk about a couple of them and you can talk about a couple of them, but relationships are everything to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are the bedrock of everything that we do. We don't quote unquote network. We build authentic relationships um, that we're not looking for anything from them, but typically what happens when you build authentic relationships you have this symbioticness uh, that you want to help each other, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I know you, Tori, I love you. I'm always thinking about you and going, how can I, who can I introduce her to that will help propel what you're wanting to do, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And so relationships are really important to us. Another thing that's always been really important to me is experiences, creating an experience for somebody because if it's just a product, people won't connect with it. Mm -hmm. But if it's an experience that we create, of whether it's customer service or we put something in the box that's extra and they're like, what? Like, I wasn't expecting this. So in everything that we do, one of our values is creating experiences. Well, um, and I think, too, the experience creates an emo emotional attachment to mm -hmm. that thing. Because... Yep. We all can buy products, but there's going to be a newer version, a better yeah. thing that comes out. But it's the emotional attachment that you've made to opening that box and, and having something that's customized with their name on it that feels personal, you know, whatever it might be for, for your product. But I think that mm -hmm. transcends totally. the product in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Another value, because I've watched my dad live this all of his life, is humility. Um, I long to be, have like 50% of the humility that my dad has. I mean, because he is just the most humble man and giving man. And so my, our values also come from our parents mm -hmm. and sort of what we've learned from them yeah. and what they've modeled out to us. Um, I mean, you can see all of our values on omegear.com, but I mean, what, what are some other ones that <clears throat> integrity, we have nine, I mean, yeah, we have nine values. integrity is one that, I mean, do, we'll, you know, do what you say you're going to do. If you're supposed to call somebody at a certain time, you call them at a certain time. Um, if you're supposed to give them something at a or certain time. Or text them and say, I can't call you right, right now. You know, yeah. and those, I mean, and this is something we're going through right now is, is we're waiting on phone calls and, and it just, to me, it goes back to one of my biggest pet peeves that are, are a liar. Mm -hmm. Don't lie. Just do it and, and, and hold true to your word. Um, and that's huge. And that's what, I mean, that was instilled to, uh, in us since we were kids. And I, can, I can't think of times that I've lied just because that was just not, it was one of those things that we grew up. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah. And, and there may be consequences in those truths, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, another one is giving back. I mean, we are huge. Um, we try to give back as much as we can. Um, obviously, you know, we want to keep a roof over our house and, and food on our table and clothes on our back. But, but whenever we have extra or a surplus, we, we try to give back. Even with OME Gear, we're a startup. But even as a startup, we're giving back to an organization called The Last Well. We've partnered with them where we're building, helping build wells in Liberia. I mean, and then we'll move on to another organization. They're not going to be our primary organization um, forever, but right now they are and because their goal is to have wells built in Liberia uh, for everybody in the country um, by 2020. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but we just picked this organization because we feel like that, that they're doing good work and, and 
even as a startup, people were like, how can you do that? And I was like, we have to. Yeah. You know, we're, we are meant to tithe. We're meant to help other people. And that's a, such a huge value to mm-hmm. Jules and I that, you know, that we love giving back. And, and I think, you know, all of your... All of your core values seem central around the theme of relationships, right? Because the more, to the extent that you take those seriously, you want to be honest and mm-hmm. you want to invest in those people yeah. and you want to give back. And I mean, my relationship with you guys has been such, I think, a reflection of exactly what is important to you. Because when we met, you know, there was no agenda. It was like, we just vibed and we're like, let's get together. Like, let's. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know you. It wasn't, how, how can I help you? What can I do for you? It wasn't yeah. any of that. And, you know, Aaron, that's sales 101. It's building trust-centered relationships where those people will follow you wherever you go and whatever you do. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what product you're selling. We believe in you. Yeah. And I think, you know, your business but also your life is such a reflection of that. And for people that, you know, listeners that are trying to define these things that are important to them, I think you gave some really just like practical advice on how can you identify in your own life what are the things that are really valuable and what are meant, you know, that can be pillars for them to build their life and their business upon. But in the startup world, you know, you would think you'd be out there networking and marketing as much as you can, getting your name out there, but you've take su- taken such this organic approach of just like building strong relationships that matter and and letting those people speak, almost like sell for you, sell, mm-hmm. sell, who you guys are because mm. y'all are so much of the brand. Mm. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I've always believed, and I, I've not always lived this, but I've always believed that whatever you do is really just a platform for impact, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a cashier or a clerk somewhere, or you own your own company, or you um, have a podcast, or whatever it is that you do, it really is. A platform for impact and so whatever choices that you make whether it's to work for a company or to do your own thing those choices will lead you down a path where you will meet different people right mm-hmm. and so it is all about relationships I mean it really genuinely this world a hundred percent functions on us interacting with each other mm-hmm. it's just core for us as humans and so I think when we can get that then what we do is not as important, but the impact that we have kind of becomes primary, you know, mm-hmm. and paramount to, um, to our purpose in life. And so I think for Stace and I, I mean, I know I can speak for you that OME Gear is about a product called The Wanderer, but it's not about a product. I mean, it is, this product will get us will get doors opened into relationships with people that we would never be able to have. And it already has. And it already has. I mean, it's yeah. like there, I mean, first of all, we know that God has his thumbprint on it 100%, but it has opened up. And my mom talks about that every time we get together with mom and she's like, well, what's happening? And we tell her and she's like, I mean, the doors that are swinging wide open for you. And it's not all of them aren't. I mean, we're, we're having to try to push some open and some yeah. of them aren't opening, but the doors that have opened for us, it is because we've built relationships and, mm-hmm. and it's people saying you need to meet so-and-so or you need to meet Stacey and Jules with OME gear. And it's nothing that 
we're trying to get anything from anyone. It's really people are making connections for us or we're connecting with the right people. Yeah, but as you're saying that, I 100% agree. But I also think not everybody is highly relational, right? And so the people who are listening who are like, yeah, but that's not me. Like, I'm shy. I'm mm-hmm. introverted. I love mm-hmm. reading. Um, I want to sit in my cubicle or I want to work from home and not talk to anybody. That's still fine. Yeah. But if you impact one person, even if you're the most introverted person on the planet, you have a mom and a dad or you have people that you're in contact with every day where you can make a difference on them and that's really what it's about yeah I think impact is just another way to say bringing value yeah you know and it's always the businesses that are doing so well it's like how can I bring additional value to my clients whether it's in your consulting business or in OME gear you know Hmm. people resonate with the amount of value that they feel like the perceived value that they're taking away and Mm, every you know like Every time I walk away from just a conversation hanging out with you guys, I'm like, I walk away better mm-hmm. as a person. And so if we can ex- you know, create that experience and that feeling attached with whatever it is that you're doing, whether it is you know, launching a product, a business, or just in your daily like analytical finance job, yep. is how can I create more value for whoever it is that I'm, yeah, I'm working I love with. that. Well said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, but it can be as simple as, uh, and I know this is, this is really simple. Open the door for somebody. Smile. Because you don't know that person walking through that door what they've gone through. And so, I mean, you can do the simple things. If you don't want to go out and build relationships and talk to people, but do the simple things. Do the common courtesy things mm-hmm. that God is giving the gift of every, everybody has that capability mm-hmm. of doing you were just talking about um, store clerks. Well, we know we know everybody that works at our Harris Teeter um, just because we take time with them. But there was one specific guy, Michael. We have befriended him, and he has he's one. We always look for him in the store. He ended up coming to our wedding reception. Yeah. Um, but he, we've taken time with him and to get to know him, and and kind of see into his world and. He works at Harris Teeter, but yeah. he's one of our favorite, most favorite people, mm-hmm. and we always look for him. I, she'll, Jules goes to the grocery store more than me, and she's like, "I'm like, did you see Michael today?" And and he always wants to know what we're doing, and so it's really just taking time, even though sometimes we're in a big hurry, running in and running out. It's really just stopping and saying hi, and yeah. and just seeing how they're doing. And sometimes those are the things that will work for you tenfold than calling people cold calls on the phone mm-hmm. and totally. like doing, you know just the, the tasks that we associate with growing a business or, or just getting a job done every day. It's taking time to actually see somebody. And we were talking mm-hmm. about this last night. When we do, it's again, it's, you feel so much more invested to see that person do well. Mm-hmm. And even if they can't do anything for you, you know, I think it's... Or it maybe especially if they can't do anything for exactly. you. Exactly. Right, because yeah. then it's not about... It's not a selfish motive at all. I mean, it really is. I just want to be present and see this person. Yeah. We all bring our stuff to the Mm -hmm. table. Yeah. Yeah. What tips would you guys give for dealing with just the the daily stresses of being in startup world? Like, how do you balance work and life and like keep your sanity and, um, you know, take time when you need to take time, but prioritize what's most important. I mean, I will say it has been a struggle 
but we're, we're you know, I think it because there's so many things, so many balls in the air that we feel like that we have to juggle. But if you get too many balls in the air, you're going to drop one. And so it's really paying attention to those cues to say, you know what, I need to take a break. And we've gotten better at it, um, where we do take it, we do take time and let's go sit by the pool. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're not working. Because we're still working. I mean, we, we live together, play together, work together. So we're actually working all the time. But we're not in front of our computers. And we just have to take a breather. And we just have to take a break. Because our world is consumed by building, uh, you know, OME gear. But also running a salty realm and doing GSD Entrepreneur. Um, we've gotten better at it. And I think in the past year of really recognizing that we need to take time away. Mm -hmm. And even if it's for an hour, um, every day, Jules goes for her walk, 45 minutes. I get on my treadmill and watch mindless something on Netflix. She listens to podcasts, but I, I have to watch something. Um, but we do take those breaks throughout the day mm -hmm. and give back to ourselves and exercise. And, yeah. um, but some days we're heads down and we're wor working 12 hour days because, and because we have meetings and we have podcasts and we have to do all this. And so th there, I feel like we're getting better at it. We're not perfect at it, um, but we've definitely noticed um, when we take a minute and just kind of rejuvenate, mm -hmm. we, we're better for well, it. Well, and you guys, you know, I think one thing for me at least is, is like setting a, a clear intention for what it is that I'm doing, whether it is like, I'm going to take a walk. My intention is to re-energize myself mm -hmm. or you know, my intention for working this 12 hour day is to whatever it is. But you guys, one thing I love about you guys is how you practice gratitude hmm. in your life and you make it an intentional effort to take time to reflect on the things that you're grateful for, even in the busyness of life. Talk about why y'all make that a priority because I think it, it's a game changer. Yeah, life is really hard. I mean, it throws curveballs at you that you just weren't ever expecting and it's easy to, you have a choice in those curveballs to either get really uh, kind of depressed and complain and let it overwhelm you or be thankful for everything else. And so there's the abundant, we talked about it at dinner, the abundance versus the kind of scarcity mentality where I'm going to count all the blessings that are in my life as opposed to focus on the things that are really hard. And so we, we don't do it all the time, but we try to be really consistent on doing a gratitude walk every night after dinner. Or a ride on the um, golf cart. Or a ride on the golf cart. <laughs> That's my way cocktail. to yeah. There's a theme. There's a theme to this podcast. Um, so yeah, so since we've gotten Is there the a waiting cart, list? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll sign off. Um, but we do, and we just, we just go for a walk or a ride and say, what are three things that you're thankful yeah. for today? And some days it is hard as hell because mm -hmm. I have, n I'm pissed. I have nothing to be thankful for in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I don't want to be thankful. I don't want, it's like trying to sing when you're mad. Mm -hmm. You can't, like it's really hard. And it's really hard to be grateful in those days where you feel like you're just struggling to stay above water. Um, but those are the times you need it the most because once you start talking about what you're thankful for, your complete outlook changes. Yeah. I mean, it is a different perspective yeah. when you choose, make the really hard choice sometimes to focus on what you're thankful for. Yeah. I, you know, you just said like, it's so hard to sing when you're mad, but 
Try it, and it'll change your mood. It'll Except totally. Alanis Morissette, you will, you will walk away just as angry. No, you'll feel better. <laughs> you'll be like, yeah. I always say try to skip when you're mad. Alanis Skipping, Morissette's the You cannot yeah, skip without Yeah, do something, smiling. play, like yeah. dance. Like the other day I woke up, I was in a bad mood, and I've learned that I can change my own physiology. Yep. Like, and I can change my mood and my mindset if I just, like, start to move my body and how much our bodies and our minds are connected. Mm, And we intentionally have to do that. And we have to have that awareness and make that decision. And that's something that you guys, you know, do. And practicing that, because it is a practice. I think we can totally get bogged down. But the more that we do it, yeah, you find yourself a little bit lighter. Yeah. A little mm-hmm. bit just... I, I think, you know, as you guys are talking, the other thing I was... Um, I'm listening, of course, and I'm also just processing all of this. There are two analogies that I think of when I think about a business, and we've talked about them a lot, Stace and I have. The first one is the seasons, right? So there are seasons where we cannot wait for spring to come. Um, and then summer is awesome, but it's hot. And then fall is amazing, but... Oh, it's really just amazing. Fall's amazing. But all the leaves, so everything's kind of dying, and that's sad. And then winter is freezing. Like, so you're kind of, depending on where you live, but you're locked into your house. And, and so I think that's very uh, sort of a visual of what running a business is like, where there are just times where you're battening down the hatches. There's mm-hmm. a thunderstorm, a hurricane, or a tornado that's knocking at your door, and it's all you can do to just focus on staying alive. Mm-hmm. And we're in a season of that right now with OMI mm-hmm. Gear, to be really transparent. It's hard. I don't know if you can cuss on this podcast, but it's shitty. I mean, it, <laughs> we've done that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it is, it's really, really um, exhausting. We, we're losing sleep. Um, I feel like I'm aging, and I hate it, and then, so I'm trying to practice breathing, and I'm trying to really be mindful. Um, but it's very, very stressful. Things that have been timelines that have been set are not being met, um, and investment money has not come through. Um, and so all of that is uber stressful, except especially when you're growing a company at the rate of growth that we're looking to grow it. Mm-hmm. And so we are in a season right now where we have battened down the hatches, and it's all we can do to stay alive, mm-hmm. like physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, truly, and thankfully we have each other. But I am 100% confident that after every storm, the worst storm, the sun always shines. Yeah. And there's usually a rainbow. And there's usually a rainbow. And so sometimes you just have to go, you know what? It sucks right now. Own that. Still be thankful as much as you can. But... This too shall pass. This too Mm -hmm. shall pass. Right? The sun will shine. So... The majority of entrepreneurs are not successful because they're not willing to wait for the sun to shine. Yeah. They give up in the hurricane or the thunderstorm or the whatever and say, it's too hard. I'm just going to go back to getting my, collecting my paycheck and doing whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not willing to go through the really hard stuff where maybe a tree falls on your house and it's horrible, mm-hmm. right? But anyway, so that's one analogy that I've really tried to cling to during this. I mean, you got us in a really raw time of our of growing OMI gear right now the other one is a child so running a business is like birthing a child in so many ways and we the listener can like make all those connections 
But a lot of times what happens when you have kids, especially little ones like Leo, um, <laughs> they demand your attention, right? So you'll be in the middle of adult conversation. The little one will come up and say, mommy, 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 or daddy, daddy, daddy. And you stop that adult conversation mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it may even be a really deep, meaningful conversation and turn your attention to that child. Yeah. Because you have to. Because you literally, because you're nurturing this life and you have to. And that's, a, again, a season where you just, sometimes right now, we say we talk about Omegir a lot. You know why? Because we have to. Well, because and if not, the there's going to be chaos. There's going to be chaos. If you let them exactly. do what yeah. they, they will do without any supervision exactly. or oversight, yeah, yep. there's chaos. Yep. And so give yourself permission to go, you know what? We have to stop this. I'm so sorry, but can you hold on just a minute? Let me pay attention to this. And so well, we were talking and you were like, man, you know, not you were just observing, but that we felt really scattered and we do. And I hate that. And we talked about this at dinner, but because that's not who Stace and I are, we really try to be present. We really try to be, um, not scattered and we're scattered right now. And that's adds to the stress. I think, wouldn't you say? Yeah. As long as we're not scattered, smothered and covered. Like Waffle House. House. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, guys, as we wrap this up, um, I think I have a pretty fitting, little thing that I'm going to read because um, leave you guys with, with this and it's called, um, it's from my, the book of awakening. It's like a daily, um, kind of affirmation and it's called the chick is born. And, um, it says every crack is also an opening when in the midst of great change, it is helpful to remember how a chick is born from the view of the chick. It is a terrifying struggle confined and curled in a dark shell, half formed, The chick eats all its food and stretches to the contours of its shell. It begins to feel hungry and cramped. Eventually, the chick begins to starve and feel suffocated by the ever-shrinking space of its world. Finally, its own growth begins to crack the shell, and the world, as the chick knows, it is coming to an end. Its sky is falling. As the chick wiggles through the cracks, it begins to eat its shell. In that moment, growing but fragile, starving and cramped, its world breaking, the chick must feel like dying. Yet once everything it has relied on falls away, the chick is born. It doesn't die, but falls into the world. Mm. The lesson is profound. Transformation always evolves the falling away of things we've relied on. And we are left with a feeling that the world we know it is coming to an end, because it is. Yet the chick offers us the wisdom that the way to be born while still alive is to eat our own shell. When faced with great change in self, in relationship, in our sense of calling, we somehow must take in all that has enclosed us, nurtured us, incubated us, so when the life is upon us, the old is within us. Mm. Ooh, yeah. that's profound. That, that is, is sacred ground right there. Yeah, That's awesome. Take a so, picture of that. Thanks whatever you sharing. guys are going through, just uh, the growth is in the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and you might, like you said, you might be so close to that breakthrough, so close to like, yeah, cracking out of it or seeing that rainbow, mm-hmm. don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you guys for being on. Mm. I love y'all. We love you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you want to stay connected with Stacy and Julie, make sure you go check out their website at omegear.com or assaultyrim.com. Yes, like the margarita. You can also download their podcast at Apple Podcasts, and it's GSD Entrepreneur. 
If you want to stay connected with me, you can find me on Instagram at tori.k.gordon. And make sure to go over to Facebook and like the You're Welcome Radio podcast page to stay up to date with everything that's happening and all the latest news. As always, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply